five in five, four, <laughs> three, two, one. Yay. I love it. I wish you could do that every time. Yeah, I think it's it's a good way to establish that things are real. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Well, good. Let's start with that. That's perfect. So this is Beth Capucci, and I am here today with my friend, Ben Van Winkle, our neighbor, um, a musician. Remo and I met him maybe, what, six, seven years ago, five years it ago? might have been as much as almost eight now. Really? Yeah, I moved into here almost eight years. It'll be eight in September. Wow. So, yeah, we, we have a neighborhood monthly social on Fridays and uh, once a month. And we met Ben many years ago or yeah. at one of those. And yeah. then Remo and I both enjoyed Ben and he's a great musician. And we'll talk a little bit about what he does. Um, and I, I will have, I've seen you perform several times, but you'll have to correct me if I say anything wrong, because some of my music words are not probably the right one. <laughs> So feel free. Um, so you are a singer. Um, you're, what are some of the instruments that you play? Well, first off, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I play. It's funny. I, I used to basically deny that I play all these instruments uh -huh. because I, I was a lot of people will say they play everything. And I'm like, yeah. I definitely don't play everything. I played. I'm a cellist. I identify uh -huh. as a cellist. But recently I've started to. To realize that in reality, I do play a few things. Uh -huh. So I started as cello, as that's my my expertise, and I've played that for the longest. Um, but now I, I I would say that I'm a competent guitarist, uh -huh. um, a decent pianist, mm -hmm. and a decent drummer. Okay. Um, and then there's a lot of other instruments that are pretty. Uh, what do you what do you call it? They they, they map over too easily. So like ukulele is something yes. you can pick up rather easy and. I wouldn't call myself a ukuleleist, yeah. but I feel like I am a competent. I could figure it out easily. Same with violin. I've, yeah. I've learned a, quite a bit of violin um, without calling myself a violinist. Um, and yeah. then obviously singing. Mm -hmm. Singing, I sing a lot and I beatbox a lot. I love making mm. mouth sounds and, and what kind of things you can do with that. Um, and I feel like that's a really good compositional tool. So that's something I... Uh, if, if I could claim the mouth as an instrument, instrument that might actually be my best instrument. Mm, how neat. <laughs> and you whistle a lot. Exactly. Yeah. So whistling and then percussive sounds and then scatting. Uh-huh. And anything without lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> and then sometimes sometimes lyrics can be uh, something I like to construct on top. Of. It's like a separate thing. But yeah. Well, that's a long answer. I love it. Well, I knew you played a lot of instruments. And is that your cello in the yellow case behind you? Yeah, that's the one I've had since seventh grade. No way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I love getting to hear you perform live. I got to hear you with the symphony orchestra a week or so ago. I missed the local one this week at the Barking Legs, but I heard that was sold out. And um, and I I was trying to think of some of my favorite songs. I've told you I love through T-H-R-U. Yeah. And um, a Supernatural comes to mind and... I think that one about your car, that my driving buddy, that yeah. was super cute. I feel like everybody should hear that. It's just such a happy song about the camaraderie and the connection you feel with your car sometimes. Well, it's 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 the camaraderie you feel with a stranger in another car that you don't know their name. Oh, yeah. So it's when you're stuck on the freeway for a few hours and you're with one car for a long time and you become attached to that car and you, oh, and you realize that you're both goodness. intentionally sticking together. 
you had that experience, I'm sure. I feel like most oh, people yeah. have. Oh, yeah, I have. And then they leave or you leave and it's super sad and you like wave and you're like, you'll never see that person again. That is so interesting because I like projected my own maybe meaning or emotion to the song as you were attached to your car. Yeah. And and I am notoriously not great at hearing lyrics. Same. Like my family laughs, <laughs> me. Really? You too? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was amazing. I tuned into as much as I did, but I just thought you were talking about the miles you spent in that car and how when you finally had to get rid of the car, you were like, you know, goodbye. I hope I, you know, get to see you again or whatever. Um, uh, but watch so the music cool. video. I feel like it makes it obvious. Yeah. And uh, and oh. also that's like maybe the proudest thing I've ever made is that music video. So I would oh, recommend yeah. it. And it's the same song. It's just we're actually driving cars and waving at each other. So would I just Google my driving buddy video on like YouTube? Just yeah, or? YouTube. And it's just driving buddy Ben Van Winkle. Nice. But you know, I, to the lyrics comment, I think I've been working on a theory recently. Yeah. Um, because I don't absorb lyrics easily. But if I pay attention to them, I can memorize them. Yeah. It's just that I don't pay attention to them. And I, yeah. I don't it's not like I don't care. It's just not a natural thing. Yeah. And I've been kind of interviewing my friends that are always listening to the lyrics. And I think my theory is that, you know, you can like zone into something and without effort, uh -huh. your body naturally pays attention to something. And it's, it's almost an easier state to focus on that than yeah. to not focus on it. Yeah. For me, it's soccer. I feel like if there's a soccer game on, I don't even really pay attention to it, but I zone into it. Does uh -huh. that make sense? It's like a passive yeah. glue. Maybe the movement. It's yeah, it's just it's a nonstop thing. You can just watch that ball and yeah. it just keeps happening. I feel like there's something with people that memorize lyrics accidentally, you could even say, or at least very easily. Yeah, maybe just automatically. There's, yeah, there's some sort of passive glue that their body or brain is attached to it. Yeah. And for me, it's I I it is always active. I have to think to try to listen me to too. lyrics. Me too. Me too. But yeah. I can. I just it's it does require effort and yeah. my body naturally is more just listening to the overall texture. I feel like yeah. that's probably the the best word. Yeah. Um so I I'll be like I'll I'll notice really subtle instrument changes or stuff like that, but then I realize that the song is about this really wild thing that I had no idea and I was playing in an inappropriate context yeah. or something because I wasn't listening to the lyrics. Mm -hmm. uh, that happens all the time. Oh, yeah. No, it's interesting. <laughs> Maybe the most um, fascinating, intriguing component to you or sensory component is what you tune into. Um, yeah. But the texture is an interesting word. Yeah, because I for sure can hum all these songs, but my kids will laugh because they're like, you don't know any of the words except maybe the chorus or the refrain or whatever. Right. Um, that's funny. Yeah, I, I have theories about stuff like that, too. And we were talking right before we recorded about our theories about dogs versus cats. Yeah. People to, tend to assume dogs are male and cats are female. So, yeah, um, there's a few things like that where it's it's not I wouldn't even say it's like a bias or a prejudice it's uh -huh. just a psychological assumption um yeah and maybe even one step lower than assumption because it's not intentional mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's like a conditioned yeah we're conditioned to feel like cats are female yeah and that dogs are male at least in my experience everyone assumes my cat's a female and yeah. i take no offense but it's always and i'm like i correct them yeah. And then they'll do it again the next time. And like, this is it, boy, Kiko. And yeah. It's not like, I mean, it is hard, it's easy to get frustrated at those sort of things. But, you know, it's then it's no one's fault. It's just like, I feel like we are, most of us, in my anecdotal mm -hmm. experience, mm -hmm. are conditioned to think cats are girls. Yeah. 
a stereotype um, or something. Yeah. And then the other one we brought up was cousins. I've I've noticed if you say I spent the weekend with my cousin, basically everyone that I've said that sentence to assumes that it was a male cousin. Ooh, see, I bet that's because you're a male and they assume that you're buddies with male cousins more than female cousins. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Any well, I never thought about swing? the cousin thing, but I think I would do that because it's sort of, you know, we make assumptions about gender friendships, too. Like, yeah. you know, oh, I'm going to the beach with friends and they would go, oh, I bet it's a group of guys or a mixed group. But they wouldn't think Ben's going to hang out with like five girls at the beach, you know. OK. Yeah. I mean, you sort of associate the subject with like subjects. Yeah, just maybe I'm hanging out with my cousins. I think they would assume it was the same gender. But I mean, not that that's the way it should be. It's just generally. Yeah. Like. This is something I'm, I'm jealous of the French language because there's a distinction. The cousine, ah, I think, is the female. Uh-huh. Uh, and then cousin. I don't know exactly yeah, how yeah, to pronounce it. but Male, but female. The word itself has the distinction. I think I like that be, being able to be more descriptive with the language. Yeah, is that's it. true. Then people know you don't have to, you know, let them guess. Right. Um, yeah. Like if there's a cat, like, I don't know, I think because in French you could say la chat. Mm -hmm. But no, that's the word. It's not the, the animal because mm. the word cat is a feminine word. So you have to say la, not le. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if you could use that to designate that this particular cat is mm -hmm. a male or female. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I know German more than any other language, so. Um, but I think die Katze is the German word for cat, and it sounds German. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it sounds feminine. Sorry. Oh, well, that sounds German. <laughs> yeah, I'll you say would that. hope it sounded. <laughs> you hope it sounds German. Um, well, okay. So I, I think we could talk about a hundred topics today, and we'll probably kind of be a little all over the place. But I'm excited to just kind of hear you talk a little bit about some of my very passionate subjects, which are how I want people to know how they're gifted. And I believe everyone's gifted. And I think it's really important to know what you're unusually good at. And I know you're just on the brink of 30 years old right now. Yeah. And happy birthday a couple of weeks early. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, and you studied to be an engineer. Right. You finished your engineering degree. Yeah. And then you decided to pursue a career in music. So um, I think that's really interesting that you obviously had skills in, you know, an intelligence in the realm of math and science and physics or whatever, um, you know, types of intelligence are most relevant to that. And then the musical intelligence. And, you know, some people say there are nine types of intelligence. I think there are so many more. But um I really think it's so important for people to know how they're gifted. So just a quick little intro. And then I feel like I could just say, all right, tell me what you think. And you could probably talk for 20 minutes about this. Um, but I was co-presenting an Enneagram workshop in the fall with my friends, Christy Bonner and Kat Smith, who have the Enneagram plus yoga podcast. And they've been on a couple of my episodes and vice versa. And when I did my part of the presentation, I said, I think everyone is gifted. And this woman in the front row who I've known for years, I saw she started crying and I never even got a chance to talk to her afterwards. And I've been meaning to kind of call her or get together, but I'm pretty sure that she was 
really happy and relieved to hear that because I think she is one of many people who I've known professionally and personally who underestimate their intelligence or feel unseen or unappreciated, or maybe they've sacrificed a career path to raise children and they never got to show in other ways what they were capable of. So I think she has felt underestimated and she's an artist, very talented, very talented cook, just decorates beautifully. Her house is just so fascinating and cool. But I think she grieves, you know, feeling underestimated. And um, I also had a conversation with a friend a couple of weeks ago who I just think is incredibly talented, multi, you know, I guess just multiple gifts. And she was saying that she graduated number 84 out of 86 in her class in high school. And she has always doubted her intelligence. And I was like, incredulous. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you're clearly brilliant in so many ways. Do you really, really believe this? And I think she has felt, um, you know, not super gifted um, for her whole life. And she's around 50 years old. So anyway, I'm on a mission for people to know what their superpowers and their gifts are. And I know that's tricky, just like you went through this whole engineering program, and then you didn't use that. And I know people who've gone into an entire career path and hated it. Well, I want to give a slight distinction. Yeah. Because I knew before I got my engineering degree that I was going to do music after it. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I just got the degree for a, almost to prove that I like, you know, you, you want to make your parents proud, yeah. <laughs> but also you want a safe, you know, you want a Back career path that is very practical. And I was aware that music like it was, I also had this th- this thought, and I, I know we're getting off topic a little bit. No, that um, I didn't want my hobby to be my profession, which turns out I did, but mm. I wanted to have a profession before I really pursued my hobby. Hmm. I guess so. I remember like literally freshman year, like this is the plan: you're going to finish the degree, um, and then you're going to work for one year, and then you're going to do music, and and that's what I did. So it was, it wasn't like I decided later that I'm going to throw this degree away. It was like, I'm going to get a degree that I'm not going to use because I, I feel like it improved my analytical intelligence. Mm. Engineering is just a really powerful skill, I think, for any, you can apply it in any discipline. I mean, maybe mm. in some ways it kind of, you can become overly analytical, mm-hmm. but also there's a lot of creativity engineering as well. And so, mm. um, sorry, that's a little tangent. I forget exactly how no, I got onto that. I'm but. so glad you said that because I did just kind of assume that you weren't passionate about engineering and that you, you know, later morphed into music, but you knew as a freshman that I, you were going to do that. And I still love engineering. In fact, there are some days where I, I, I I'm not going to quit music. So no, uh-huh. nobody get afraid. Or, uh-huh. But there are some days where I just want to like go study physics or I want to see if I can get into some biology program mm-hmm. um, and just to see if I can help the cutting edge of science. Cause I feel like if, if there's somewhere I could really benefit, um, you know, the knowledge base of humanity, it's probably science more than music, hmm. but at the same time, music is, is a creative vessel. And I, I think there's something to be provided there too. And mm-hmm. it's like, where, where could society, I think that's my dilemma is where could I benefit society more? Right. Was it, is it in the field of science and the advancement of humanity and technological ways, or is it in, the emotional, psychological ways of society with, with, I don't know, uh, resources of creative insight or inspiration. Mm. So that's my dilemma. And I think I, I, 
some days I, I do want to go back to engineering or see if I can mm -hmm. do both. join a scientific effort. Like I would love to be a part of some um, quantum physics experiments. Like if, mm. if I could just instantly have a physics degree and go work at CERN, I would love to do that. Um, but I think the problem is I've invested a lot of time in music now. It's like, I think I need to capitalize on that investment right. of effort. Yeah. Wow. But again, I'm, I'm tangenting a little bit here, but no, this is really, I'm glad you're letting us in on the process or your, um, your thinking, because I really feel like this is such a hard topic and dilemma for people to figure out their calling and what makes life right. meaningful and what's the best use of my gifts and do I need to enjoy what I'm doing and how do I figure out what I'm going to enjoy doing or or do I just do something I don't care if I enjoy it it just makes a good living um, or take whatever job you can you know it's hard I mean yeah I I wonder if because in, in a way like I, I love I do like the idea of everyone has a gift, mm -hmm. but I also, I, I also appreciate that no one has a talent unless they practice the talent to some degree. I mean, I guess some people are more in, mm -hmm. innately talented or like some things come naturally yeah. in certain areas. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like nothing is for free. Like every, every skill has, has some sort of practice. So I wonder if the gift is the ability to acquire certain skills in certain ways. Mm -hmm. Some people are more predisposed to learn physical skills, you could say. Right. And maybe their, their gift is a more abstract learning style rather mm -hmm. than the skill itself. Yeah. Well, I have an interesting example, actually, too. One's kind of funny and one's a client. Um, and my so the client one, I was working with this 12 year old and and a lot of the listeners probably don't know. I work with people from about age 12 to throughout the lifespan. I've never had a 90 year old, but I've had people in their 80s. Really? So, yeah. I work, but I don't really like to work with younger children because I don't have training in play therapy and I'd rather have conversations anyway. So um, I had this 12 year old and I was like, wow, you are so deep. And one of the types of intelligence in the nine intelligence model theory is existential intelligence, oh. which is being, you know, concerned with matters of meaning and existence and choice and all that kind of existential philosophy type stuff. And she is such a deep 12 year old. And she said, I said, has anyone else told you that? And she said, well, people always tell me that I have a lot of interesting thoughts and I'm interesting to listen to, you know. And so for a 12 year old to be that deep, that's that's unique. That's not something you see yeah. every day. And um, in fact, abstract reasoning kind of develops around age 12. So to work with a 12 year old that's already doing that so well is like what well, interesting. So. And then a funny thing about noticing what you're good at, and I think that's a whole nother topic, is what are like natural inborn gifts versus gifts you develop and even just kind of natural inclinations. I mean, yeah, we do have instincts. Yeah, there are, there are certain predispositions of our psyche that's passed down from our parents for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, if you ever wanted to take a really fun test, it's called the Highlands Abilities Battery. And I took it through. My friend's husband, Lane Ford, and it, it blew me away. I know it would you too. It was just so interesting. What's it designed to test for? It's it's really testing kind of like career options and, and job possibilities, but it's looking at your natural abilities. And I think right. that he said those are developed by age 14. Right. But it's sort of like 
would you rather be a generalist or a specialist? Would Are you a long-term thinker or a short-term thinker? Um, you know, are you good with spatial stuff? Are you good? Would you rather work with people or objects? And I mean, it's, there were like, I think there were 14 tests on the, or 19, I can't remember, but anyway, um, you would love it. So is this sort of like a Myers-Briggs except for like the next step of Myers-Briggs? Well, the Myers-Briggs is more the personality test, but it does tell you careers you would be good at, but this is more like skills. Like literally they ask you to see if you can tell the difference between two rhythms and, and tones. Mm. And then if you can remember which objects are on a tray and then in the next picture, which objects are missing or different. Yeah. And, um, and then folding paper like origami, and then you poke a hole in it and you open it back up and you see if you can tell where the, the hole that pokes through it would be when you fold it back open. Right. So you're doing all this on a computer. So it's not really 3D. So it's almost IQ test. It is probably a weird mix of an IQ test and a career test and just the way you think naturally. I mean, it's it really was mind boggling. Huh. I, I do remember my results for Myers-Briggs, if you're curious. Oh, yeah, I would love to know. Um, I, I remember the letters, but I know that there's the four quadrants. Uh-huh. And all the because I took this in engineering school, uh-huh. most a lot of them are the engineer. My, my uh, peers were uh-huh. analytical, organized. Uh-huh. Um, and then what's the? Well, it's ENFP or INFJ or ISTJ. I know what I was analytical, creative. So you're probably a thinker, not a feeler. And then the creative would probably be the P or the J. So perceiving is more artistic kind of gray and then the j the judging it's not the best word for it but it's not judging but it's more organized and strongly opinionated kind of more black and white more Mm. structured um so and then extrovert versus introvert oh that one i don't remember i feel like um recently i've identified as a wannabe extrovert Uh uh-huh like i realized maybe i'm actually an introvert but i try really hard to be an extrovert so you might be near the middle, but on the introverted end a little bit. Maybe. I've okay. al- I used to always think I was an extrovert. I think re- mm-hmm. recently I've sort of realized like maybe I'm not actually and I just want to be. Yeah. Okay. So you probably, and if you're more analytical than, um, well, are you more of a thinker or a feeler? I, I don't know. Might be in the middle on that too. Well, no, I feel like I was, I, we, we spoke briefly about this. I almost try to be both in different times. Like I almost, I want to foster my logical ability uh-huh. to overcome my emotions. Uh-huh. And I want to practice that and I do practice that. But I also want to embrace my ape brain, my lizard brain uh-huh. and regularly almost try to let the animal out a little bit when mm-hmm. I'm working out, let's say mm-hmm. going for sprints. Yeah. Like- so I don't know. And I, I love to feel deeply. And, mm-hmm. and I think recently, actually it's so weird. I feel like with age, I'm more sensitive to like sad and emotional parts in movies. Mm-hmm. I think as a teenager, I was just so cold to those things. Like that hmm. didn't really affect me. I didn't really empathize, mm-hmm. but now intense moments in movies will often make me sh- like uh, shed a tear. Right. Or in, in music too. I never used to think music had any ability to make me cry. I, w- I would be like, How, why does this make anyone cry? It's just a, <laughs> an objective sound. Music didn't make you feel that emotional? No. Really? Yeah. Um, and that's a recent thing, I would say, like in the past six or seven years after college. That it did start to make you feel emotional. Yes. OK. Yeah. And maybe yeah. maybe I allowed it to per- perhaps it'd be like some sort of different uh, approach to enjoying huh. art. 
you may have to take the Myers-Briggs now because I feel like you might be really close to the middle on the E and the, the introvert extrovert. And then thinking and feeling um, the other one's intuitive versus sensing. So do you do you use your five senses to, when you perceive things or to read situations kind of like maybe, well, I was going to say Sherlock Holmes, but I may be wrong about that. But versus your sixth sense of your intuition versus being extremely like good at noticing the concrete sensory data. Well, it's I think that's an interesting one because I. Uh, I've, I've tried to f figure out exactly how to classify. I think I'm like almost I don't worry about the details mm -hmm. um, and I have a really poor. Uh, memory when it comes to exact numbers or exact dates, mm -hmm. but I can figure stuff out. I feel like I'm extremely good on the fly with dealing with problems. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it, it what it might be is is a perception of processes mm -hmm. rather than the details. So yeah, I, like and I, I'll yeah. same with remembering speeches or like uh, p quotes of people. Mm -hmm. I'll never remember the words they said, mm -hmm. but I'll remember exactly what it meant. Mm -hmm. And so I could paraphrase quotes. Very yeah, easily. Yeah. Or maybe not easily, but I can recall meanings. Yeah. Um, and I can recall procedures, but I would never remember the exact words in the manual. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're getting kind of the big picture bird's eye view of like what the main idea is, but not the specifics. Yes. And I think honestly, that sort of is the same uh, process of my composition. I was realizing this the other day hmm. because I very rarely start with the details. It's almost like I, I draw a blurry outline of how I want this song to mm -hmm. be or this moment in music. Mm -hmm. And then I'll just chip away at it. Yeah. Um, just like you would a sculpture or something. Wow. Um, and then just work on the details. And then often I'll just say it's done before it's like really finished because right. it's fine. Like it's yeah. the the vibe is there. Like the, the overall intended function of the song is, yeah. is perceivable at that point. That's interesting. Well, this kind of leads into one of the ways I think we can know ourselves is, and there are several ways, and I did actually write some of these down, even though organization is not my strong point and planning is not my strong point. Um, but, and I do think that to some degree, even though I think we're all gifted, I think we all have disabilities. Oh, yeah. And um, so I think uh. that just acknowledging that and being at peace with that is really important. What did that trigger? I can tell it triggered something. Well, yeah, I think <laughs> I don't want to be a pessimist, but yeah, I think <laughs> we, we all have gifts. But we definitely all have disabilities. Yeah. And like, I feel like uh, since I'm talking about me a lot right in this, th this uh, conversation, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like though I'm gifted in a few things, learning about what I'm not good at, I think has been more powerful. Mm. Like, like learning where I should outsource and ask yeah. for help uh, yeah. and and then don't worry about like it's it's weird. It's like almost just abandon those skills. No, I don't want to say abandon because you have to work on what you're not good at. I Try think. to improve it a little bit, but recognize this is never going to be easy for me. So I'll yes. farm that out. Yes, exactly. Save time. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Well, so this is something to pose to you, but also to the listeners is notice what people throughout your life have commented on about you. Like, wow, how did you do that? Or where did you get that talent? Or, you know, just like me telling that 12 year old that she was deep. And um, one funny example, my mother is a therapist and she is very analytical and perceptive and comes up with great theories. And that's why her clients love her. But 
One way she would admittedly say she has a huge disability is spatially. She literally parks only halfway in the in her parking space sometimes. Hmm. I take pictures and send them to my two brothers. I'm a middle child. I think. Are you a middle child? I'm, a, I'm the youngest. You're the youngest. Um, I would send pictures to my brothers and go, look at mom's parking job today. And I'm like, does she not see that there are about six feet in front of her that she could have pulled forward? And she doesn't. And so um, I wonder if it's if it's a little bit about caring about it, too. Like she doesn't care. Yeah. Because I feel like the things that I'm bad at like that, yeah, you could say I'm spatially dis- disabled is probably not the right way. But I think a lot of it is I'm, I'm literally not noticing. Yeah, it's like the lyrics. Maybe you're not tuning in because yeah. you're so excited about the tune or the texture, um, but you're not that concerned. Plus, it takes a lot of concentration, which you have to be somewhat motivated to concentrate on things. Yes. But she does. She has other examples where she really has some trouble driving like. She hasn't had accidents, but she's a very cautious driver and she can't tell how far away things are, you know. Hmm. Um, So she definitely has some kind of interesting visual disability. Oh, another funny example. This kind of annoys me, but it's also hilarious. She can't remember who our servers are at restaurants. And she at least half the time will call on the wrong person. And I'm like, we have a blonde, tall, thin waiter and you're talking to a curly headed brown short headed waiter has she always been that way yeah she's just oblivious and she'll go how do you recognize those people and i have had different people say to me how did you recognize that person like even people my age so and in my mind Hmm. and this kind of goes back to knowing what you're good at that seems easy to me and parking seems easy to me so i think it's easy but then when you see others going how did you recognize that person you haven't seen them in 20 years and i'm thinking I don't know. It seems easy. But when people keep commenting like, oh, you're good at remembering names or you're good at, you know, hearing emotion in people's voices, that that might be one of your superpowers that you take for granted. Hmm. So, yeah. And, and I know some people have like face blindness issues. Like that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. It's like memorizing faces. And I, th- I wonder if, again, it is if it's the, like a passive attention or not. Yeah. I mean, what, I, what I was going to speak to is I've always had a theory like and I don't know I don't I'm doubting this all of a sudden but that all of us are bad at memorizing names mm-hmm. and the people who are good at it put effort into it and like mm. anybody who wants to be good at memorizing names all you have to do is try mm-hmm. and like every time you meet someone spend like two seconds but it's real intense two seconds of your name is this and like literally trying Repeat it three times they say yeah and there's some other tools too where you yeah. can like add some visual um, things we're very visual memory, mm-hmm. but that's that's why this is interesting because mm-hmm. some people are not yeah visual yeah. But like so, like all the memorization techniques, or like mm-hmm. the most popular one is the the memory palace, at mm-hmm. least in my research, which mm-hmm. is YouTube. <laughs> yeah. But uh, where you walk through a spatial environment in your mm-hmm. imagination, and then you place little things to remind you of you could you you can encode numbers into words, mm. and you can make words a visual object yeah and then that object represents numbers um oh. it's it's a pretty actually simple and elegant system once you learn it that's interesting um, but you, I, I learned the the my favorite uh, name one is you come up with an object for all of the common names or you, you might have to make one up on the spot but like one of the ones I'll, I'll never forget is for brian you use brain mm. and then you find something unique about their face and sometimes mm-hmm. it might be something they might be self-conscious about yeah. but it doesn't matter because it's in your brain uh-huh um so one of my best success stories on this 
we're going down this rabbit hole because it's I think it's this cool one was this guy. It was a guy named Shelby. Uh huh. OK. And he had gauges on his earring. Um, and I met him one time and I saw him again, like basically a year later at the same thing. But it was like a year later. Wow. And the way I remembered it is I was like Shelby Mustang. OK, there's a horse jumping through your gauged earring. Mm. So you have to imagine an object that's associated with the name that represents the name acting with their face. So it's a visual action. Huh. And then when you see them again, you will literally see that horse jumping through his ear earring. Right. And then be like, uh. the funny thing is I, for, I remembered horse, but I forgot that that was Mustang. So I was sitting there and I was just like, there's a horse, horse, horse. And I saw him. <laughs> and I was like, I got to remember his name. And then eventually popped in my, my mind a like Shelby. Later. And yeah. I said, Shelby, that is your name. I know it for a fact. It was like, I didn't say those words, but he was probably so flattered. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, he definitely didn't remember me. So that was, yeah. yeah, that's hard for a year. My goodness. Um, well, <laughs> so, you know, just kind of the implications of, I guess, the top reasons that we should. And I like to call this a user's manual or developing your user's guide, mm. because if you don't know what is unique or what you're gifted at, you can't really tell employers, you can't tell romantic partners, you can't tell your roommates. And then if you don't know what you're not good at, then you, and I think it's wonderful to tell an employer, Hey, here's one thing I'm not great at. I tell clients sometimes, you know, if they ask what my style is, or they say, I had somebody come in about a year ago that said they wanted a really confrontational therapist that was really hard on them. And I was like, I may not be the person for you then because oh, yeah. that is not my strong point. And he was actually impressed that I said that I didn't think I'd be good at that. And so I mm. probably wasn't the best fit. So he came back. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it was funny. Um, but I, I do think that. That's sort of uh, passively uh, confrontational. Yeah. Um, like just disagreeing yeah. or like not going with it, what they expect. Right. Right. It probably did. That's a great point because it probably did feel like I must be pretty assertive or pretty upfront. Yeah. Um, That's what it was. You're honest. Yeah. Ironically, though, I I made some positive comments about him that first session because I saw some really interesting traits. But then the next session, I think I did say something that was slightly about one of his downsides. And I think it offended him. And he didn't come back after that I'm, oh. or the third time. So it was really kind of the whole thing was kind of odd mm. and unusual. Well, that's why they were seeking therapy, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But that was a first for me. I mean, but it was cool. I said, I know what I said. I said, it's really great that you know what you want, that you want a confrontational therapist. And you've met with a bunch of therapists and you figured out what you like, but I don't think that the chat, the confrontational therapist thing is a good fit for me. That is definitely not a strong point of mine, you know, but, but that was the irony is I think the next time I kind of hurt his feelings. Hmm. So, um, and it was pretty benign. I mean, I'm not a confrontational person. So anyway, I'm sure there's something in medicine where like the patient shouldn't prescribe themselves, right? Like I'm not saying that that person did, but I think like just in general, like, yeah, you, you can't go into a doctor's appointment knowing what you need. Like, yeah, you have to go with open mind. Like, 
you have to you're going there to seek their advice on how to help you yeah right like, yeah that, that was that seems strange i feel like that in itself could be a good starting point yeah. for a therapy session it's like well it was very interesting it was one of the most specific requests i'd ever gotten in a first session from anyone and i was like oh yeah before i waste any more of your time let's this probably isn't gonna work and anyway it was, hmm. it was uh, interesting um yeah but I can see you like analyzing because in coming up with theories and the why that was even on that natural abilities test is people that they aren't quite as interested in what happened. They're more interested in why it happened. Yeah. So and you clearly are. Um, oh, that's a good point. Why? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Just in that situation. I yeah. was asking those kind of questions. Yeah. Um, OK, so I'll just read these and then I, I want to hear your thoughts. So. First of all, these are some of the reasons we need to know our user's manual or our user's guide and develop that so that we understand ourselves. Healthy individuals have self-awareness and they are at peace with their strengths and weaknesses. Number two, and there's only I only wrote down five, even though there's probably a lot more so that we can explain ourselves to other people, friends, families, roommates, romantic partners, etc. Like explaining even things like your social battery to others. I've been having a lot of conversations lately with clients and even my own kids about when you turn down one of your good friends, when they ask you to do something, you don't have to explain it. But if you do it a lot and they think, I guess maybe we're growing apart or they don't like being with me as much as I like being with them. But one of my kids, who's definitely more of an introvert and she loves to be alone, I say, why don't you tell your friends, I love you guys so much, but I just need a lot of time at home alone. And I don't I, I can't really hang out two nights in a row. I just need a night to decompress. And I've you know, been working with a lot of people to just say, you know, so that they don't misread your cues or your rejections as I don't want to be with you. It's just, I need, you know, I'm, I'm worn out. I'm tired. My social batteries out, you know? So that's the, tough though. That is tough, but I think it would be better than just saying no without explaining. Well, the, I think the problem, I don't know if this is shared with many people listening, but the problem is when you really just don't want to hang out with that person and oh. you can't think of a reason, right? or maybe, maybe it's don't want to be alone. And maybe that is the real reason but um, true, because the you don't want to lie. You, you right. want to be honest with your friend, especially if you do like them. But like just in that moment, you you don't want to see that person. Yeah. Like, no. how do you say no yeah. without if you want to be honest, you have yeah. to say, I don't want to see you. I don't yeah. have any other reason. I know. No, I think that my urging of clients and my kids to explain that more is when they do want to preserve a, a relationship and not right. give them the wrong idea. Yes. But when you really don't want to continue spending time with someone, I think that it doesn't quite matter as much as long as you're not rude. If you just say, I'm busy, I can't, um, I, I just need some time alone. I mean, you could just say, I want to be alone or, you yes, know. Because that's still true. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's all still true. <laughs> yeah. And eventually they'll get the hint. But yeah, I feel like with dating, it would be maybe more important to like be clear because yes. you don't want to lead them uh, on yes. or tease them or, you know. Like just say, in fact, one of my clients just told me the other day that somebody said to them, I just feel a friend vibe with you. I don't feel a romantic vibe with you. So I just wanted to let you know. Um, so but that is a hard one. Like, yeah, I think I was leaning towards the truth is is the right way. Yeah. 
Yeah. With friends, I feel like that could be more hurtful just to say, I just really don't enjoy your company. that much. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think we have a lot in common, you know, uh, now that's not mean, but just, you know, I think our interests are different or, you know, I mean, I, I have to say one time I did tell somebody, not that I didn't like them, but I just said, I don't get a lot of social time and I have a lot of people that I love that I never get to see. That's so true. Like prioritizing. And and this one person had moved from another city and I said, I feel like you need some really good friends that you see often. And I just, between kids and soccer and my husband and old friends that I love that I never see, I don't think I will be the kind of friend you need, you know, cause right. I'm just not that available, you know? Right. Yeah. So. I really need to spend time with my cat tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I love my male cats. <laughs> Don't want to give you the wrong impression there either. <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. We loop back around on that one. <laughs> they might think you're really weird. If you always say my male, I yeah, no. my male cat, that, uh, make up a new word, my cato. Yeah. As opposed to a cata. Yeah. <laughs> Then they wouldn't want to be your friend either. <laughs> I gotta go see my male cat. They're like, oh no, Ben and I just don't have that much in common. Oh, I mean, actually, no, I'm gonna keep doing this. I'm about to derail the conversation really bad. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Well, I'll let you. Okay, last two on this. Um, so then, as I kind of mentioned earlier, we can do a better job of finding our calling, whether it's in a professional or personal capacity, if we kind of know what our abilities are and our gifts and also our disabilities. Um, cause me for having ADHD, I definitely have tasks that I'm terrible at like administrative stuff. I hate the details. Mm, yes. So, you know, that would help me avoid a job that would make me completely miserable. If I had to do paperwork all day, I would be miserable. Yeah. You think there are people who are, who enjoy paperwork? Um, yeah, I do. I actually do. I mean, you know, like accountants have to do tons of paperwork. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But and a lot of lawyers do, but I don't know how many of them enjoy it. But, you know, I, I think people like what they're good at. And maybe that's if you're good at yeah numbers and stuff, maybe you do enjoy it now that yeah. you mention it. Well, so for people that like lists, order, organization and things like that, they probably really like checking off to do list. And actually, that reminds me of obsessive compulsive personality disorder, mm. which is an interesting topic that I'm going to do a podcast on at some point, because OCD is different than OCPD. So, oh, but people that really like concrete tasks and, and checklists and everything and getting everything perfect would probably like paperwork, I would think. Um, OK, last one. So we can pick a better life partner and develop healthier friendships when we understand who we are, what we need, and how to communicate about our differences. So um, I really like this one for multiple reasons as well. But um, I think that when we can, you know, I tell people a lot, just talk about the things you're passionate and talking about. And if you just get this dead look on their face, like, I'm sorry, I just don't have any thoughts on that subject or I'm bored, like just be yourself. Don't be embarrassed that you're talking about something that they're not intrigued by or, yeah. you know, just whatever you're passionate about, talk about it and see who ends up going, Oh, I want to sit by you and talk about that. Yeah. And who gets up and leaves and says, I want to find someone. I always joke if I'm sitting next to someone that wants to talk about makeup, I'm kind of like, 
I think I need to go somewhere. <laughs> but analyzing things, I could like talk forever about it, you know? Yeah. So um, any thoughts on any of that or how it pertains to you or? Well, it's funny because when you were talking about that, I was imagining your Christmas party uh-huh. and conversations with different people and how they went. And I've, I've, I don't know. I think conversations have been interesting recently because I've sort of developed a habit of deflecting questions about me because I get like after shows and stuff, I get the same questions all the time. And uh-huh. I think a lot of people have that experience of being asked the same thing a lot. Yeah. And then you're just immediately like you you avoid the question by asking a question kind of thing uh-huh. about them. And then we just talk yeah. about them. And yeah, you divert it. You're good at yeah. turning it back on them. But I, I also think that goes away when small talk is over. And then we're talking about something like you were saying that we're passionate about. I think that is kind of the first goal of a conversation is to find something you both like yes and then talk about it Ooh, yeah that was a great little segue into a point that i wanted to make that i was about to forget okay <laughs> so when you think about you know things you don't enjoy or trying to explain to people this is how i'm unusual or um how i work differently <clears throat> and now i'm gonna forget there was a specific example around that what did you just say oh small talk okay so if you don't enjoy small talk, then, you know, you're going to people are going to be confused and might think you just don't want to talk to them. But it's not that you don't want to talk to them. You just don't like small talk. You yeah. Know? You, you want to talk about ideas. Yeah. <laughs> and then this is and since you're an engineer, I'm assuming you like mathematical reasoning. But I love thinking about this. Like if you're in the 99th percentile on a trait or the 99.9, you know, and you don't know it that you're one of the best question askers that anyone's ever met or the best person to remember a name, you know, Mm, Yeah. then you're going to be hurt at how many people don't remember your name. And you might assume they don't care about you, Mm. but it's not that it's that you're not realizing like you're one of the only people who does that. Or if you're incredible at remembering birthdays, you're going to be constantly disappointed if you don't realize you're the outlier. You're the really rare exception. That's a good point. So years ago, I worked with this woman who said to me, and I remember my jaw was on the floor. She said, well, my husband and I have this pickup truck and we were going to sell it. But then we decided let's just keep it so that we can let our friends borrow it. And I'm like, who does that? Like who would keep a third vehicle with license and registration and insurance and all that stuff on this one car, just so people could borrow it. Like that is so selfless and giving and generous. But, and then she would be offended that people wouldn't ever do anything for them. And, and that was the first time I remember going, okay, you're the unusual one. Like rarely would someone keep an extra car just for people to borrow it. So your bar is very high in what you think humans are like. And I've been hurt before because I'm Mm. a big question asker and I follow up with people like, oh, how was that thing? Or how's your job? Or how's life? Like, how is it raising kids and working? And and I'll be just disappointed that people don't ask me any personal questions that they're not interested in how I'm doing and, you know, ask me any deep questions. Mm. Not that no one does, but I've been surprised at how few people do that. But then I realize I'm the unusual one. Not that many people will ask such probing questions. And obviously, being a a therapist, I'm sure I'm a little skewed in what's a normal question and what's not. Yeah. You know, because I go deep with people all the time. Yeah. So um, anyway, but 
I, I kind of want to push back on the the truck thing, and then and then also yeah discuss what you meant by it because I have an extra car <laughs> that you hold on to so people yeah, can I have borrow two it. cars and um and maybe I wouldn't say like that is the reason I hold on to uh-huh. it, but that is one of them. Wow. Um and also we have an Airbnb in our family that I convinced my brother not to sell so that we can let people stay in it. And I think in some ways though, I'm not sure about your friend, but I think for me, the decision is made out of laziness. Like it's in some <laughs> ways it's easier just to keep the damn thing. Yeah. 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 Than to go through the process of selling it. And then it's also uh-huh. the value that you would get from the money is potentially less than the value right. of just having, just like not doing anything. And then right. you can save the day for somebody and, uh-huh. and you can save the day for yourself too. Like it's, it's just a, a backup. That's interesting. Yeah. And no. But then then to the, the point of then you you feel like you expect subconsciously people to be offering to things that like that to you. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like you are increasing the chances of people doing things for you by doing things for them. Right. Like so paying I, it forward or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you, you should never expect it. But yeah. I feel like having a truck so you can offer it to people is a really good plan because uh-huh. then people are, are they would be more inclined to offer things to you yes and i don't i don't like things to be transactional right um gifts but i do think there's you know like we were saying earlier we're predisposed we're conditioned a little bit to behave like that yeah i'll when, help you you help me if someone's know. nice to you you're much more likely to be nice oh, yeah. to them and yeah. and that could be a monetary or gift yeah. or services well and you would hope that people would run want to reciprocate but i have seen examples in other people's life and my own that i think there are people that just reciprocation is not on their radar so that yeah. might be like a disability that they have <laughs> that you know they may they don't have to be the most generous person in the world but i i do tend to think when someone does me a favor like i owe them you yes. know yes and I feel like I'm I'm not I am very reciprocative and because of that I don't like getting gifts because mm. I don't feel like I'm a very good gift giver mm-hmm. or at least I, I would say like birthdays and stuff like that I, I think I am a good gift giver mm-hmm. being creative and coming up with something but mm-hmm. let's say when someone buys me a beer at the bar and mm-hmm. I wasn't gonna buy a beer yeah and then I feel like damn it you just made me buy a beer because I don't have to buy you a yeah beer. I gotta get the second <laughs> round yeah 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 it's like I was gonna be cheap tonight and now you forced <laughs> me to be frugal or whatever to use my money <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a, I think that's a weird personality trait of mine that I've discovered. And I think yeah. I, I utilize that now, but, but that's yeah. So interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the mind is fascinating. Um, well, so one more little thing, and then maybe, I know we talked about the Enneagram and I feel like we're getting close to time. Yeah. This could be chapter one. <laughs> this could be chapter one since we live so close and thank you for recording this in your studio. Today. Yeah. Yeah. This is so cool. Um, so Maybe a couple tools and then I have one kind of deep question for you and then we can wrap up and do, like you said, chapter two another day. But so tools for understanding yourself. I said some of these ask others what stands out about you. And I think a lot of people, if you ask them that or you ask yourself that you will say, you know, people always said I was really witty or that I was super organized or whatever superlative, you know, um, stands out. Teachers, friends. Um, then take a personality test. I know you and I are both fans of the Enneagram. Um, you mentioned Myers-Briggs. I told you about the abilities battery. I mean, there are a lot of personality tests that you could take. Um, and then journaling and therapy, um, you know, talking to friends. I mean, you could even do it in a group format and ask some questions. So, um, bosses of course, as well, 
Um, like what, you know, they might say, in fact, someone told me this recently that their boss said, you are the best manager we've ever had. And this guy was like, really? Like he was just trying to do a good job. He had no idea that he was the best they had ever had. So, um, well, so what, here's my sort of deep question about career. What for you helps guide you in terms of what you want to do to make a living? I mean, you know, and it could be like, I want to have fun. I want to create, I want to make a certain amount of money. I want to live simply. I know a lot of people, um, I tell young adults this, there are millionaires that live in tiny houses because they want a low cost of living. They want less upkeep and they want to travel, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, how did you decide which direction to go with your career and what mattered to you in that? I think this is a really a, a prudent conversation because it's something I've, it's been in my mind recently. And I think mm. what it comes down to uh, is it's I want to be extremely consequential. Mm. Um, I want to have a huge effect on the the way the world proceeds. Mm. And maybe that's inspiration, providing inspiration or creativity. Um, but also, like, I would I would love it if somehow I was at the helm of some real innovative scientific research mm. or just something to affect the lives of all humans in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so in, in, like, I haven't done a, that much work to be in, in that field. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it is a lot of those kind of things I'm, I'm believing more and more are just being in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. And I think having a positive mind and, and being smart and, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, able to adapt and provide uh, positive, uh, you know, con- contributions to research or, or anything. So I, I think I, I mistakenly used the word fame in the past, mm. like, because I don't really think that's what I care about necessarily as much as being um, effective. Yeah. Making a difference and making a contribution. Yeah. That's neat. And I think that's the existential crisis. I had this a lot during COVID is like, why the hell am I making music? Mm. I should be working at a hospital. Right. Or I should be developing something that helps people. Yeah. Um, So, but I I think it always comes back to people love music. And I think it is appreciated. Whether or not it's necessary, that can be debated. I think it is. But sometimes I also am on the other side of that debate. Um, Yeah. Your music is so interesting and uplifting and very complex i mean i again i don't know all the right words but those are amazing words really (laughs) that's a great compliment thank you good yeah i just think your your music is incredible and don't you write the the music for the whole symphony or orchestra or whatever you the ensemble that you yes yeah and as far as skills go uh, earlier you said you complimented my technical skills i said i'm not i don't think i'm that good at technology i'm just yeah. persistent yeah this is the same with composition i didn't go to school for composition mm-hmm. but i know exactly what i want and i hear a tune and i'll whistle it and then I, I know enough to be able to write it down for someone else to play mm-hmm. and it's not like i wrote measure by measure the entire piece i wrote this outline of a piece and then i was like oh a little flute part could go here mm-hmm. oh i just kept adding to it yeah and i feel like in a way when you think about it in that way anybody could compose it's i mean it is hard i don't want to diminish that it does take some effort, but um, 
I feel like being able to whittle away at something and being persistent and just doing it. Yeah. And having a really clear vision, you can kind of do anything. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, um, something you said reminded me of word a word that I feel like is one of those kind of rare remote words that has great meaning. And it's the principle of beneficence. And it's contrasted or non-maleficence, like do no harm, but beneficence is like benevolent in a way, but do the greatest good. So I feel like what you're saying is what would do the greatest good for the most people or what would make the biggest difference? And and how can I use my gifts and my passions and my abilities to do the most good for the most people? Yeah. And that's an incredible guiding passion um, and, and I'm glad this popped into my mind too. The first time I heard you play, um, in a smaller setting at, um, Wanderlinger a few months back. Oh yeah. I was so struck by your ensemble. What do you call the smaller group? Like the ensemble's good. It, it's like a small orchestra, but it really orchestra. is an ensemble. Okay. So your, your or- orchestra, that was the happiest group of musicians I have ever seen. I mean, everyone really? there. Yeah, I have never seen everyone looked, you know, happy, comfortable, like they were really passionate and enjoying themselves. And I really thought about you and I thought Ben must be producing so much emotional safety and respect for these people that they are in their element. And, you know, that's another podcast I want to do is when you look at the nervous system and how our bodies respond to people our nervous systems are constantly telling us a lot and about who we're with and how safe we feel. And like the channels are open, you know, and we're in a flow state, but I was just really struck by every single musician. I mean, I I just really was like, I've never seen anything like this. I really appreciate you, you saying that because I, I think honestly, that's probably my biggest dream is to be, in a leadership role and to inspire people to create with me. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think all it, all it takes is convincing someone who has finances to, to help make it happen because those shows, I haven't made any money on those shows yet, Oh, really? but, um, but I think they're really, really fun. And I, I think I do have a decent ability to, um, inspire, maybe inspire, motivate, um, musicians in particular to work, but I, I would love to be like a director of like a, maybe not a film, but like an, I have this, like, I need to come up with a word, but like an experiential music mm-hmm. video, mm-hmm. you could say mm-hmm. where it's, you know, it's, it's 40, you're in a VR situation. Mm. So, but it's like, it's music, but it's, it's a full experience. You got some visuals and maybe even some like a re- like virtual reality body movement kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what do you call it when you're in a, Oh yeah, uh, I had to ask someone what this was too. Where you're in the the goggles simulator. Simulator. Yeah, I had to ask someone what this yeah. word was recently, and it was on a podcast. I think I still can't remember. Virtual? No, not virtual reality. Ugh, I can't remember. It's gonna drive the listeners crazy. They can't yeah. be all through and go. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> Everyone knows what you're talking about, except it's you when you're, two. you're riding a ride and it moves you around, yeah. and you have goggles yeah, on. Yeah, the simulator. Oh, so I had to ask this during a podcast. That it's is, hilarious. Oh, really? That's recently. so funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I think I would love to create stuff like that, and I'd, I'd love to foster a sort of company company of yeah. of talented individuals and try yeah. to inspire to create some really um, effective and fun media that people uh-huh. would enjoy and 
improve. I don't know if it would improve the lives of people. You, you probably couldn't say that, but uh-huh. there's some really awesome research going on with experiential healing. Yeah. And uh, neat. Yeah. And like, you know, people being able to heal themselves psychologically mm-hmm. um, by putting them on maybe even using hallucinogens, things like that to, mm. to inspire change within the brain. And I think a lot of that's experiential. It's mm-hmm. you have to be shown the right uh, series of events for your mm-hmm. your brain to be changed its state of mind a little bit mm-hmm. to, to think differently about things. I like that. OK, one more question. I'm putting you on the spot with this. What would be your advice for like a 20 year old or 18 year old? Any anyone around that age and up and young adults, though, who are like, what if I what if I am homeless? What if I can't make a living? What if I can't find my calling? How am I going to figure this out? I don't know, you know, what to do in my life. What words of encouragement or advice would you give them? It's it's so hard to give advice when uh, you feel like you haven't necessarily made it yourself. But mm-hmm. I, I think um, probably the best three words are just don't stop making or maybe mm. this, I, I wanted to make three words. I really should have said two. Just don't stop. <laughs> mm, never give up. <laughs> yeah. I mean. It might not even be because you can give up every now and then. You just got to start back up again. Yeah. <laughs> just don't stop. Yeah. Just keep doing it. Um, you know, I, I just that's my if somebody asked me, like, how are you a musician? Like, what? How did you pull this off? It's like, I just never stop. I learned cello when I was nine uh-huh. and I have always played it. I've uh-huh. never stopped playing it. Um, and I don't necessarily that means like length of time doesn't make you better at something. Yeah. Necessarily. You have to be yeah. it has to be effective use of your time. I think there are people who have been playing cello for five years who are much more gifted than yeah. me because they've had really good teaching, went to Juilliard, and they really tried. But I think just the simple fact of me never stopping mm-hmm. has given me a lot of really good opportunities. And a lot of people identify me as a musician, mm-hmm. you know, oh, and, yeah. and that's by the simple fact that I am because I do it. Yeah. Um, so I think that is probably my advice is just don't stop. Just whatever you want to do, do it. Um, yeah. And a lot of people want to draw. You just got to draw every day right or a lot (laughs) just do what you enjoy and do what you love but your career doesn't have to be your calling actually and i was i was about to say you you don't have to love it (laughs) maybe you should maybe you should and there's some days that i don't really love cello and i guess that's the reason i put this Mm -hmm. put this out there but i am good at it and so i don't stop (laughs) well you can do your passion on the weekend or after work hours yeah but you know I, I tell people, you know, whether you live in a tiny house or you room up, you team up with another family or three other friends and you you rent a house together. I mean, you could bartend two, three days a week and make a great living and and do your organic gardening or your art or your dance or your music or your yeah. passion or write your book. You know what makes your money doesn't have to be your calling and and yes. vice versa. Um Yes. But yeah, well, I think having a meaningful life is what really matters. And people can make ends meet. And I always like to say, too, life is going to be an adventure. Yeah. And you can just go on a cool adventure, whatever you're doing, and you'll find a way to make ends meet. You know, I would love to live in a big house with a bunch of friends, you know. Yeah. Join a commune or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This was a yeah, very fun discussion. It, it was. Can't wait to hear how the sound quality is. Hopefully it won't make my other episodes sound too bad. <laughs> well, we'll just have to do it here again. Yeah, this is fun. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Thank you.